Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. everyone thanks for tuning in to the alarmist a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest disasters and figure out who's to blame today we're discussing the beheading of marie antoinette here's what you need to know marie antoinette was born in vienna on november 2nd 1755 she was the daughter of the holy roman emperor francis i and habsburg empress maria Theresa. In 1770, at age 14, Marie Antoinette was set to be married to Louis XVI, future King of France. The union was meant to strengthen the alliance between France and Austria, making Marie Antoinette a pawn in a long-standing dynastic battle. 
Her marriage to the Dauphine was first done by proxy in her hometown of Vienna, a common practice at the time. Then she embarked on a very long journey to Versailles. Before reaching her destination, a tent was set up. She was dressed in French fashion and stripped of all things Austrian, including her young maids and dog. Her name was changed from Maria Antonia to Marie Antoinette. And once she arrived, the formal wedding took place in the palace. Louis, who was only 15 himself, donned a suit of silver, and Marie wore a lilac dress dripping with diamonds and pearls. There were over 5,000 guests, and a crowd of 200,000 gathered outside the palace to watch the concluding fireworks display. At first, Marie Antoinette was met with a lukewarm reception from the French public, who were not fans of the Austrians, but many were excited about the couple's future reign. Louis XV, the Dauphin's father, had been an unpopular monarch, and his death on May 10, 1774, was a relief to the kingdom. It was then that the young Marie Antoinette, not yet 20 years old, became Queen of France. Marie Antoinette had a significant role, one that the previous kings had not given to their queens. She chose the shows that were performed in court and supported artists. She was a singer as well as a musician, playing the harp and harpsichord, and a good dancer. She also loved to gamble, and by many accounts, she was very pretty. But most of all, Marie Antoinette was a fashionista. Her extravagant dresses and hairdos were a sight to see and later imitate. At the same time, the French court was one of the cruelest in Europe. Marie Antoinette's every move was scrutinized by those around her. The young queen was not accustomed to the relentless attention and was said to have despised the official rituals of her position, like the waking up ceremony and public meals. For this reason, she often fled to her beloved Petit Trianon, a smaller palace close to Versailles given to her by Louis XVI after he became king. Marie Antoinette's yearly budget for clothing was rumored to have been close to $3.6 million in today's value. That's almost $10,000 a day. As one can imagine, this kind of lavish spending did not sit well with the people of France, who were at the time going through a difficult economic period. To top it all off, there was little privacy in the court, and being that Marie Antoinette's sole purpose as queen was to give birth to the future king, it did not sit well with many that for the first seven years of their union, the king and queen's marriage was not consummated. This caused incredible amounts of public criticism. Though they weren't particularly a romantic match, Marie Antoinette and King Louis XVI, unlike most other royal unions, were said to have been very fond of one another, and she eventually gave birth to four children. In 1778, eight years after the wedding, their first child, Marie Therese, was born. Shortly after, in 1781, came a son, Louis Joseph. Then, Louis Charles, who would go on to become Dauphine after the death of his older brother in 1789. Marie Antoinette's fourth child, Sophie Beatrice, was premature and only lived for a few months. Marie Antoinette was a warm mother, making a point to spend time with her children, but the successive deaths of their two children were heartbreaking for the king and queen, and it couldn't have come at a worse time. 
The summer of 1789 was the start of the French Revolution, after 900 working-class Parisianers stormed the Bastille prison to seize arms and ammunition. A failed harvest had made the price of grain skyrocket, and people rioted on the streets, demanding cheaper bread. Heavy taxes were also taking a toll on the French populace. They had grown resentful of the absolute monarchy and, inspired by the American Revolution, wanted their shot at self-government. Tensions were at a fever pitch. At this point, the public perception of the queen had been absolutely tarnished. For years, Marie Antoinette had been the target of libels and caricatures, which portrayed her in very unfavorable ways. Although she had been framed and was an innocent victim, the affair of the diamond necklace in 1785 only intensified the French disdain for the queen. This was an elaborate con that implicated her in a crime to defraud the crown jewelers. In October of 1789, a mob of several thousand stormed the grounds of Versailles. The royal family was eventually seized and taken to the old Tuileries Palace in Paris, where they were essentially put under house arrest. By 1791, it was looking like the assembly would allow King Louis XVI to remain as a constitutional monarch. But after the declaration of the French and Austrian War, the assembly became suspicious that the king and queen were conspiring with the enemy, and they ordered the entire royal family locked up in the temple tower. When letters were discovered describing a potential counter-revolution by the king, Louis was separated from the family and locked in a different cell. He was put on trial, and in January 1793, he was condemned to death. On January 21st, 1793, he was executed by guillotine in front of a crowd of 20,000 people. Six months later, it seemed Marie Antoinette was destined to the same fate as her husband, when in August 1793, she was taken to the Concierge, a prison also dubbed Death's Antechamber. At her trial, she maintained her composure as a litany of accusations were laid before her, including treason and incest. According to the prosecution, testimony drawn from her eight-year-old son, who had been imprisoned after the death of his father, the king, said that he had an incestuous relationship with his mother and aunt. There's never been any evidence that this was true, and Marie Antoinette replied to the accusations only by saying, quote, Nature refuses to answer such a charge brought against a mother. I appeal in this matter to all the mothers present in court. But with a civil war threatening to bring down the new republic, her fate had been sealed long before her trial. Marie Antoinette was found guilty of high treason, depletion of the national treasury, and conspiracy against the security of the state. She was sentenced to death. On October 16, 1793, two weeks shy of her 38th birthday, Marie Antoinette was escorted in a cart to what is now the Place de la Concorde. Her executioner had cut her hair short and bound her hands behind her. She was calm and collected as she walked up to the guillotine. At approximately 12.15 p.m., she was beheaded. And thousands of spectators burst into cheers. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Sats. 
Contrary to popular belief, Marie Antoinette did not respond to news that starving Parisians had no bread by saying, quote, let them eat cake. It is believed that Jean-Jacques Rousseau either coined the let them eat cake quote himself in his autobiography Confessions, or that he was referring to a queen, Maria Therese, who was the wife of King Louis XIV and lived about 100 years before Marie Antoinette became Queen of France. Marie Antoinette was the 15th of 16 children. For her wedding, she was escorted to France amid an entourage that included 57 carriages, 117 footmen, and 376 horses. According to HistoryExtra.com, in June 1770, some 50,000 people eagerly gathered along the streets of Paris to catch a glimpse of Marie during her first public appearance as a member of the French royal family. Members of the crowd were so keen to see the teenager that at least 30 people were crushed to death during the frantic rush. The French people nicknamed Marie Antoinette La Trichena, that is a play on her Austrian heritage, and Chiena, the French word for bitch. With us today, we have producer Amanda Lund. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Alarmy. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi, everyone. And our very special guest today is Chelsea Devantes. Did I say that right, Chelsea? No. <laughs> uh, but it actually truly does not matter. Devantes. Hi, everybody. Devantes. So Chelsea is a comedian, a writer, and, and the host of Celebrity Book Club, a podcast which you should all listen to. Um, and Chelsea, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about it? Celebrity Book Club is basically where me and a guest, usually a very close friend of mine, recap and celebrate and discuss celebrity memoirs, which has been seen as a trash genre uh, of the trash (laughs) literature. However... Um, They've always been my favorite books. I joke that that's what happens when your nearest bookstore growing up is a Walmart. And but (laughs) um, they're really great. They're like hidden gems. And they really taught me how to like live life. And they're all really strong women because they're celebrities. You know, even even when you're like that trash monster. I mean, she's still a celebrity. Right. So she has a lot of power, which means they've all been through some shit. (laughs) Um, And so each episode we discuss a book. Now, Chelsea, we like to start our show by asking our guests, what is something that is alarming you recently? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> wow. Well, not a great question for me. I, uh, I could pick a thousand things. Um, <laughs> literally, most recently is that um, uh, Yasser, just my, my, my love, just sent me an article about how the new COVID strains break through the vaccine. And, and that was about five seconds ago. So that's currently oh, what's okay. on my mind. Um, something less than that would be uh, we adopted a dog in quarantine. And the trainer was like, he either has a really quiet breed or he's traumatized from his previous life and he's depressed. And I'm like, oh, no. Uh. Oh, no. <laughs> From his previous life. Previous life or previous owner? A previous life with his previous owners, not oh, his oh, past okay. life. Okay, so Chris <laughs> was thinking past oh, life. I was thinking past life and I was thinking, so so dogs are only dogs in previous lives. Uh, and humans are only humans? I don't not think, necessarily I don't think those the are the dog rules. Could have been. Okay, so 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 it's definitely a past life like 
pre pre Chelsea. I yeah, pre Chelsea with his owners. But I love that everyone on this podcast assumed him in past life, which means like I love where your head's at. Do we think that we were any of us were Marie Antoinette and that's why our lives are so good right now? Ooh, does anyone have neck pain? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Not really. Because they say if no. sometimes uh, like mysterious pains are from past lives. Okay, <laughs> that's fun to think about at night. <laughs> I have mysterious uh, stomach pain. I was probably like uh, <laughs> impaled. You, what? you oh, might have been impaled gross. by Vlad. By the Vlad. Oh no, poor poor Rebecca. Oh, <laughs> what you do? <laughs> Nothing. You didn't have to do much. <laughs> <laughs> this is the perfect segue to start talking about Marie Antoinette and. I think we first need to start talking about the French Revolution. This is a, uh, an episode where it really helps if you're a fan of the musical Les Mis. <laughs> um, so you'll have like a little bit of context for what's happening at the time. The French Revolution, according to HistoryChannel.com, 18th century colonial wars, particularly the American Revolution in which the French had intervened on behalf of the colonists, had created a tremendous debt for the French state. The people who owned most of the property in France, such as the Catholic Church and the nobility, generally did not have to pay taxes on their wealth. Sound familiar? Mm. <laughs> um, ordinary people, on the other hand, felt squeezed by high taxes and resentful of the royal family's conspicuous spending. Louis XVI and his advisors tried to impose a more representative state of taxation. But the nobility resisted. And in, in 1789, representatives from all three estates met at Versailles to come up with a plan for the reform of the French state. But noblemen and clergymen were reluctant to give up their prerogatives. So the third estate, which were the common people, uh, inspired by the Enlightenment, uh, ideas about personal liberty and civic equ equality formed a national assembly that placed government in the hands of the French citizens for the first time. At the same time, conditions worsened uh, for the French people. Of course, they're, they're, we all know about uh, the the no, there's no bread, you know, wanting cheaper bread. It had to do with a, a famine that happened the year before. So as we all know, sometimes these things are like bad luck and and uh, political. Uh, what what would you call it? I was going to say like a political pimple waiting to burst. Ooh, I think that works. Visceral. <laughs> yeah, this, disgusting uh, too. Which... Ticking bomb, perhaps. A ticking bomb. That's that's the common term. <laughs> so we're putting up the French Revolution number one up on the board, and I think that. Along with the French Revolution, we can also put up the American Revolution mm. as a, a catalyst for the French Revolution. Because they got so, inspired. They were inspired they, by the American Revolution. <laughs> they definitely got inspired and they got screwed. They got screwed. Because what they did was they sent money to America because they hated the British so much. They hated them. And so they were like, let's help fund this American revolution. But then what happens, they spent all their money trying to get back at their enemy. 
And <gasps> it that backfires because then everyone in France is like, hey, wow. revolution thing sounds like a really good idea. Yeah, I mean, didn't they send us um, the Statue of Liberty, spent all this money, gave us one of our biggest monuments, and then America was supposed to be their ally, and then we just said, no thanks. Like, thank you for the copper monument that will um, be the, the our nation's source of freedom and go fuck yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, you know what? We have a lot of pro- This is not a good time for us. Can we get back to you on that help you need? Like, I'll totally take the Louis Vuitton bag, like, for sure. But, like, I am dating around. But, like, I do see something special with you. Just kidding. Bye. You're blocked. <laughs> I, like, it really feels like that. And it's, it does feel like karma, too, because, like, you shouldn't. Do something to get back at your enemy. You know what I mean? Like, uh, w- wait, what? Are, is that, are we sure about that? That's, <laughs> why not? <laughs> Convince no, me. I just mean, I just mean it was like it was it was uh, passive aggressive. I'll say does that. Ma- this is how I would reframe it. Yeah. You should do something more successful to get back at your right. enemy. <laughs> this one didn't work. You should have done something different. <laughs> so. The American Revolution was really not that good uh, for for the French monarchy. So we'll put them up on the board. Good. We got the big ones up. Now well, let's... Can I, should we just, before we forget, put Marie Antoinette and the monarchy up on the board? Yes. just Because those are two that obviously have to go up, right? Yes. Let's put Marie Antoinette herself. So Marie Antoinette, for, for more than two centuries, historians have really debated whether Marie Antoinette bore the blame of her fate or was really just a victim of circumstance. According to National Geographic, by the time she was executed at, at the guillotine on October 16, 1793, she had been disparaged as frivolous, selfish, and immoral woman whose lavish lifestyle had increased economic inequality. <laughs> To be clear, Marie Antoinette was not no saint. She believed that the French Bourbon monarchy had been ordained by God, and so she didn't accept the idea that royals were, uh, like her, were equal to their subjects. She also wore flour in her wigs, while many French people went without bread. Um, All of that said, uh, she was also a victim of her her time. Uh, It's really... Not so black and white. I just uh, okay. Listen, so I'm coming from the PhD scholarship of celebrity memoirs, trash literature. <laughs> I, I just want to say up front, a not studied French scholar. However, it is so funny to me that one woman's dresses and and her spending could be like the fall of a nation. Uh, like you know great she's a great poster child for everyone to hate a woman always is like you she a woman can just become the beacon for everything you're upset about so easily i'm sure she was a mean selfish bitch she was also 14 years old and they were like you're a god and a deity and also like go on this caravan and lose your heritage and like definitely fuck this guy and have a kid or we will kill you so i mean i just don't think she ever had a chance i mean she never had a chance and there's no way her personal spending was the fall of that entire nation there are other there has to be other things that were worse I mean, yes. yeah, she came in and took advantage, you know, they're like, okay, you want to give me, what is it, $3.6 million uh, in just for, like, wardrobe spending? Like, of course I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, say no. I'll take it now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, it's also so interesting, too, because wasn't that, wasn't there pressure on that? Like, you have to do a wake-up ceremony first off. Wow, what a nightmare. What is that? I'm going to have nightmares about that. 
<laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Try try to wrap your mind around that. It's like literally everyone surrounds you in court and just like wakes you up in the morning. I, I, I <laughs> watches you wake up. Can we put that on the board? I mean, yes. if that happened to me every morning, I'm sure I would become a murderer. <laughs> yes. The, you know what we can call it is um it's the French um court. Like the the rules of the French court. So the French court was actually particularly, like they said, cruel and also how would you call it elaborate? Um, yeah, it was it was the 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 reason for. I mean, there are a lot of reasons, but so they all lived together in Versailles. So the whole court instead, I I think I feel like in the British. Uh, court they like went home but no not in this court it was like they were all living in the palace together and the the reasoning behind that was that if you know it's like keep your your enemies close I guess (laughs) so it was like they didn't want (laughs) it's the original real world where it's just like put a bunch of young people in a house and see what happens (laughs) but like that's a nightmare nightmare idea but they, they wanted to like keep a close eye Uh, So that people wouldn't, like, start a coup or something like that. And then to, like, of course, you know, they had to, like, one-up it. They came up with all of these, like, rules for the French court, like, and and rituals, like the wake-up ceremony. Should we put up on the board, like, echo chamber or, like, social bubble? Like, what do you call it when you have no connection to the Well, they're, like, out of touch. Is that what you mean, Chris? Like, they're just, like, angling for Well, is that just, like, classism or, like, the the rich being, like, elitism? I think... I I like the the social bubble. Yeah, I think the specific sort of... the notion of this group of people that are the only people you sort of see and socialize with and sort of having to, to live in that strange environment to me seems sort of dis, dystopic or yes, something. Yes, yes, the liberal it, bubble that we read about in yeah. think pieces. <laughs> Another part of this that is coming to mind, we talked about this in the Britney episode, is how uh, since the beginning of time, how we love to bring women up and then tear them right back down. Yeah, it's just like a a a, a, a des- It's a it's a, a desire. America's <laughs> yeah. favorite pastime. I, I think the world's favorite pastime. Yeah, because it happens. We see that happening everywhere. Absolutely, um, and. And to bring in another uh, songstress, we're about to record the Dolly Parton episode. And mm. some, so I, I made the whole podcast script and then people were like, you got to listen to Dolly Parton's America. So I was listening to it and I, I, there, there's this angle that Dolly Parton exploited Appalachia and she put these hillbilly stereotypes to the world and she's at fault. And they really gave a lot of time to it. And all I could think of is, like, how many men who are wildly famous songwriters and performers who we would we would never have this discussion of, like, well, with mm. their long, scraggly beard or whatever, they were doing a disservice to the South. But Dolly putting on makeup and whatever ruined us. And it's like, and no one is given back more than her. The, the one thing I... The one message I've really taken away from Celebrity Book Club is that uh, as a woman, you cannot win, which is Mm. there's a bit of freedom in that, that you it doesn't matter how nice you are, how smart you are, how kind you are, how mean you are. It doesn't matter. You'll lose every time. (laughs) Wow. I mean, that's so. Oh, my God. That's so true and so scary and also so freeing. 
So, so how do we boil that down for Marie Antoinette? Would that I just be like straight up what sexism? <laughs> Yeah, is sexism on every board? (laughs) Every board of every episode? (laughs) Pretty much. Um, I feel like maybe misogyny. Let's talk about her mom, right? I mean, this now we're getting into like therapy. Uh, Yes, I love it. uh, But let's talk about her mom and let's put her mom, Maria Teresa, up on the board. Her mom is this incredibly powerful woman. She's the Austrian empress, and, and she really just know, knew how to play the queen game. She, she knew how to do it very well. I, she had, I believe, 16 children, Marie Antoinette being the 15th of all these wow. 16. Wow. Eight of them were daughters. Um, and she was Gross. able to marry... <laughs> I mean, th- that was like the garbage pile. Oh, yeah, the trash pile of daughters. <laughs> no, but she made she made a beautiful meal out of trash, which um, was that she married them off very strategically oh, so mm. that she could create these, these um, alliances with other countries that they were either, you know, like... Uh, having problems with. So she had this 40-year reign uh, where she was an absolute monarch and she she didn't even uh, cede her her power to her husband or her eldest son. She's like, I'm the queen. Like, I'm the empress. That's so cool. So she's strong personality, yet Marie Antoinette is the 15th of the the children. So they didn't really have, like, super high hopes – for, for her. So I, I believe her sisters, her older sister, was supposed to get, get married to uh, the king of Naples or the prince of Naples, and she died or something like that. The second one then went up. The second one, which would have gone to the French court. So what I'm saying is that at the time, kids died all the time. People died all the time. And that caused her to... Be, she, since she, she had very little... They had very little expectation... Uh, of Marie Antoinette. She wasn't educated. Oh. Um, pro- as like well as her older sisters, possibly. So hmm. she, you know, studied religion and other like female, you know, uh, moral principles things and like music or whatever, but she didn't have like an academic. Well, it's education. also so oh. interesting. Um, I love when, because back then, yes, religion, morals, music, female interests. However, when those things became lucrative, taken over by men, you know, like, so, so now that would, it would be that music would never be a female thing. Men are all the music producers, you know, men are all the music managers. Um, it's so interesting talking about perceived power because like what you said, uh, uh, and a woman has always had certain things in her toolbox and we've been broadening them lately. Thank God. But that, you know, her mom's power was I have daughters who are objects. And if I give them away in the right way, I can have power. Or, you know, if I'm sexy enough and he wants to fuck me, maybe I can get him to do what I want for 15 minutes. And that's my power. <laughs> like it, you just only have certain tools. And Marie, what it's just so it's. I just can't get... She was 14. It's just so funny to be like, did this 14-year-old girl ruin a nation? (laughs) Like, I think there were... I think it was the people around her. (laughs) Yeah. But also, what is... How do we um, kind of boil down that media, that perception of her? Like, what was the French version of media at the time? Like, where where did these caricatures and stuff generate from? Perfect question. So they were called... I'm saying this wrong, but libels 
libel. Oh, like libels? Yeah. But they're, they're spelled L-I-B-E-L-L-E-S. Okay. So I call them porno pamphlets. Oh, I love that. So, <laughs> in the 1780s, uh, streets, this is according to alphahistory.com, the streets of Paris were also awash with l- libels, uh, a seedier form of literature sometimes referred to as a political pornography. Most libels, uh, libels launched personal and often lurid attacks on prominent royals and aristocrats. Marie Antoinette being the most frequent target, uh, the volume and pornographic intensity increased after the outbreak of the revolution in 1789, much more than before. The material honed in on the king and the queen. Uh, they estimate that before 1789, only about 10% of pornographic libels uh, targeted Marie Antoinette. From 1789 on, however, the vast majority of these publications took aim at the queen. Whoa, uh, sorry, I'm looking these up, Google image searching these. It's yeah. people who are listening. <laughs> like, when she says porno, like, like you're I'm not, not kidding. kidding. <laughs> like, these are graphically sexual. Like, what I found seems to be the king riding what is an ostrich, but also a pe- an erect penis. Yes, and I believe that's not the king. That's another member of the court. So that's okay. the even more scandalous part. <laughs> Whoa, the, um, these are crazy. And, like, Marie Antoinette, uh, like, spread eagle. Yes, a lot of of Spread Eagle. There's also some of her having lesbian sex. There is other there are other of like royal orgies. Um, so she's being portrayed in this very hateful way. And let's be honest, like at the time, it's not like everyone in France had an education, right? So if 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 you're getting these and this is the information you have about the queen well then that's what you're going to believe right you're not yeah. going to like read the queen's memoir i mean this woman is really red eagle every day <laughs> fucking her court but like literally that's exactly what they thought chelsea so i also feel like we need to talk about the king before we forget yes um, because the king louis the 16th I found something about his locks. Have you guys heard about this? He was obsessed with locks. What do you Um, mean locks? So according to biography, uh, (laughs) unencumbered with learning how to to be kingly at a young age, Louis found himself drawn to the solitary pursuits of lock making and carpentry. The royal locksmith, (laughs) a man, hair. No. I thought you meant what you put on a bagel. Yeah. Oh my God. No, literal locks. Because when so, you said locks, also Chris started running his fingers through his luscious no, hair. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> There's no way for you to prove that. So if his path in life hadn't been preordained, it seemed likely that Louis would have been a simple craftsman rather than a king. On the other hand, being king uh, allowed Louis to explore his interests in in, on the extravagant level, giving the palace at Versailles, uh, using the palace of Versailles as his playground. So perhaps, I mean, he just wasn't the best leader. Perhaps this, like, uh, I don't know, idea of how the monarchy works isn't the best way to choose a leader. (laughs) Perhaps. Yes, perhaps. Perhaps that's not the best way to lead a country. (laughs) A a bloodline (laughs) that cannot determine if someone has any qualifications to lead. So he's a nice, it turns out like by all accounts, he's a nice guy. He's just like kind of 
bad at his job, his role. And he decides to do this thing I, where, you know. I'm so sorry. I, no, nothing triggers me more than a very nice guy who is bad at his job. I mean, I would oh, rather I would rather someone yell at me. I, I, I It is such... I don't know if I can continue this podcast. I'm so upset. <laughs> I know. Well, He's on the, the board. The irony being, the irony being that he gets to be king. Yeah. yeah. This guy who's just bad at his job gets he to be king. He just wants to play with his locks. <laughs> I mean, that sounds right. That, so- that's, uh, that sounds like the tra- trajectory of all societies. It also, you know, even in your, your day job, it's... Because when you're nice as a woman, that's a requirement. If you're mm-hmm. not nice, you're uh, you're a bitch or you're evil or whatever. Women, all women have to be nice. Men don't have to be nice. So when they are, they're like, "Wow, he's so nice," and you're like, "That's not that hard of a quality. Like, <laughs> pick a quality that's like more difficult to foster in a human and reward that." <laughs> like lock making. Like lock making. <laughs> so, Louis a dud, but. In all fairness, he gets handed down uh, a tough, what do you call it, history, he, uh, a, a tough lineage. His dad was, his dad and Louis XIV, his grandfather, were, you know, uh, massive spend. They're the ones who really put France in debt. Um, and I, I, I don't know if this is the reason why, which that uh, Louis XVI never took on a mistress, but Louis XV had, you know, was w- known for having many, many mistresses. And this is the um, lock guy. The, not, not the lock guy. His dad. Oh, okay. So okay. Lock his guy dad has been, uh-huh. actually. Th- so this is important. So the lock guy precisely did not take a mistress, and this was a problem. What? Okay. Why? Yes. Tell so me. According, <laughs> according to history.com, just as a first lady might take on, uh, take some of the political blame for aspects of her husband's presidency, so too might a mistress receive blame for the king's decisions. This was especially true of Madame de Pompadour, the first woman to hold the title of the king's mistress. This was a, an official title, an official job. Her visibly, <laughs> I swear, her visibly elevated role opened her up to even more criticism than mistresses before her. In fact, if Marie Antoinette's husband, Louis XVI, had had a mistress, she might have shielded Marie Antoinette from some of the attacks that she received, particularly the accusation of supposed immora- immorality, which mm. were normally reserved for the mistress. Wow, because they're like, if he's got no mistress, he's having sex with his wife. What a slut. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, they used to use the... Okay, so they needed a woman as a scapegoat, right? We need a different woman to protect this other woman. (laughs) This woman can't go to the fire. Put this other woman in the fire. (laughs) Literally. Literally. (sighs) They needed uh, uh, this mistress to be the scapegoat for many of the... You know, because then they could be like, oh, he he made this bad choice because he was seduced by his mistress or she she convinced him in the bedchamber. Wow, wow. This is really... I'm really trying to think of modern ways we've seen this where a man having a mistress gave more esteem to a woman we know and let her go on. But I don't... I don't think... I think it's the reverse now. Like, okay, Demi Moore. I, all, all my references are celebrity memoirs. Um, Demi Moore... 
Ashton cheated on her. And we all thought, like, yeah, because she's, like, old, right? And, I, and I'm saying we is, like, not, not we, but you know what I mean. Everyone's just like, oh, yeah, she is too old, and he's a young, handsome dude. Of course he's cheating versus, uh, I don't know. I don't think we gave her esteem from it, but I... I love the role of um, punching bag, Se- sex bot punching bag. You know who comes to mind is Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. Uh, we, there's no way we can have an episode about Marie Antoinette without talking about the affair of the diamond necklace. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll try and give you a, a, a quick recap of this, but there's this crown jewel, right, that Louis XV makes for his mistress. She or, or he dies, and all of a sudden the crown jeweler is uh, 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 left with a, a super expensive necklace. Shows it to uh, Marie Antoinette. She's like, "I don't like it. I don't want it." <laughs> now, the, there's this other woman by Jean de la Motte. De la Motte. Um, she is essentially a fortune hunter, and she persuades so so there's this it's complicated but there's this cardinal who has gotten out of the the you know good graces of the queen and he's dying to come back this woman jean de lamont she sees an opportunity she becomes friends with the cardinal and says that she is close with the queen she that's what she tells the cardinal and even though marie antoinette has actually never met this woman so Lamotte then has a lover, Retou de Ville, and he, they forged these letters that are supposedly going from the queen and the, car- and the cardinal. And it's like they make, make up this, uh, I guess the cardinal thinks that she's, Marie Antoinette is in love with him and that he's having an affair. Really, they're kind of like catfishing the cardinal. And the, finally, it all even to the point where they set up this rendezvous where they get hire a prostitute who like is known to look like Marie Antoinette to like meet him in a dark alley or something and he is like oh my god she met with me so so he thinks that they're having some kind of affair anyway in one of the letters uh, supposedly from Marie Antoinette they write to him saying like can you just like buy me this uh necklace and let you know pay for it and i'll pay you back like in installments because if i buy it it's going to look really bad um the french people are going to be like oh my god she's buying the super uh expensive necklace but if you buy it for me like i'll pay you back and i really want this necklace the cardinal's like no problem uh <laughs> <laughs> buys it gives it to uh, Jean de Lamont or, or her husband who's like pretending to be a footman and they just run away with the necklace they run away they steal this necklace the cardinal then starts writing to Marie Antoinette being like where's my money and Marie Antoinette literally gets these letters now and is like what is what is this guy talking about <laughs> what, what is he talking about a necklace and money Eventually, you know, she starts replying back and she's livid, right, that this has happened. And she demands that they put the cardinal to trial. Okay, so this is according to Smithsonian Magazine. The subsequent trial caused a sensation. The Paris Parliament defied the king's command to convict the duped cardinal and acquitted him. 
So he got away with it. Lamont was flogged, branded on her breast with a V for Velus, Velus, which means thief. Velu, voulez-vous coucher avec moi en my French? Do I speak French? (laughs) 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 So she she gets tossed in prison. And uh, though Marie Antoinette was not was not on trial. She might as well have been. The queen was innocent, Napoleon observed years later. And to make sure that her innocence should be publicly recognized, she chose Parliament of Paris for her judge. The upshot was that uh, the upshot was that she was universally regarded as guilty. So the affair of the necklace provided further father, fodder for scandal-mongering pamphleteers and journalists already intent on portraying the queen as greedy and corrupt. From then on, she could do no right. And now we're going to start knocking people off the board uh, after this quick break. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, I'll give it to you now. Here we go. Who is to blame for beheading of Marie Antoinette? The French Revolution. The American Revolution. Karma, Marie Antoinette herself, wake-up ceremonies, social bubble of the French court, misogyny, Maria Teresa, her mom, 
lack of education, libels, a.k.a. porno pamphlets, Louis XVI and his locks, lack of sex pot punching bag, <laughs> lack of sex pot punching bag, a.k.a. no mistress. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Affair of the diamond necklace scandal. Can we add just something real quick, which is some like monarchies in general or classism or class disparity? Because I feel like it all comes out of like people are hungry. I guess one thing I should we should have talked about briefly was the fact that the the post French, the French Revolution, like didn't go well. They had this thing called the terror yeah. Right afterward. Yeah. <laughs> um, which then enabled Napoleon to kind of like take over. Mm. Um, so it wasn't done. I mean, it, the, the intention was, was right. And, 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 and like many things like, you know, it's hard to do a revolution. Every revolution also leaves countries destabilized for other countries, namely ours, to come in and fuck their shit up. You know, yeah. so yeah, but it doesn't, it feels like... Um, the beheading is is just its own its own I don't know. It's of the French Revolution, but it, it doesn't feel like it's You know what like, it is? It's more like the those people who are and and like any revolution, I think, there are the people up top who are, you know, trying to have get the power, right? The most right. power. So it's something like the assembly. The people up top who are uh, because they were the ones who decided to put the monarchy to trial and kill them like they a lot of people in it within the revolution didn't want them to kill the king they were like why can't you just put him in a prison yeah yeah and and they were particularly cruel in the end to to the royal family i mean they put i mean they did terrible things where you know they separated them from their children the they put the 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 young eight-year-old boy i guess like uh a, a a cell away from Marie Antoinette so she could hear him while they were beating him. Oh, and horrible. Oh my God. So we need to put I, them on the board, Rebecca, if we're, especially if we're talking about the big beheading. Like, should we put the yeah, revolutionary? Like, it, it, it was something like they, they got like, they had like, they were bloodied or <laughs> they were like, they had blood on their mind. They, they wanted equality and they wanted to, you know, they didn't want the monarchy anymore, but like perhaps they were just... Should we call them extremist revolutionaries? Uh, yes, actually. And this is a question, but the, the monarchy was also enacting violence on the people, right? Like once they're in the cells, obviously they're not the violent perpetrators, but weren't they also being horrific? To, it, it's like they were horrific to them, they were horrific back. Kind of talking about, um, I mean, it keeps... Uh, saying like classism which is like I feel like that's not the right word because that is sort of like the uh, that sort of puts it on the people from lower classes whereas it feels like greed greed and lack of empathy and, and lack of um, societal equality and the desire for that when you could just have a bunch of money and flour in your hair I think that's great I think we should call it bloody greed bloody yeah, greed bloody greed <laughs> So I think we can take karma off the list. Yeah. I think it's bigger than that. I, I actually don't think we can blame Marie Antoinette herself. What do you guys think? 
For her, yeah, is it no. too soon to bring her off the list? <laughs> Maybe. No. Maybe like uh, wake-up ceremonies should come off before I, Marie Antoinette. I don't think you can, I mean, I don't think you can blame her for her own beheading. That feels no. just no. logical <laughs> to me. Literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't um, make sense. I mean, I, I'm really gunning for wake-up ceremonies to be <laughs> what caused all of this. It's what I fully believe in, and that's the one I'll ride for. <laughs> well, so, may, maybe we could use wake up ceremonies to sort of um, represent the social bubble of the French court, like as a figurehead or vice versa. I feel like we fold in wake up ceremonies to the bubble because the bubble is what made them not take the revolution seriously soon enough. Yeah, I think they were right. just like involved in their own life. We should definitely oh. remove the lack of the sex pot punching bag mistress. <laughs> Feels like it was never her fault, was never going to be her fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. The affair of the necklace, um, that, that was kind of a breaking point for her. Well, the whole diamond necklace, too, just seems like one sort of rung on the ladder on, on this sort of journey here. It doesn't really seem like you can narrow it down to that being the very specific thing that sort of was the straw that broke the camel's back you know i I don't think so i think so you want to take that whole i kind of want to take that off i don't know how you guys yeah i agree because i think they were gonna behead her regardless of that especially because there was a war going on with her home country so which we could have put on the board as well the french austrian war came after the storming of the bastille okay interesting so i not to say that they didn't already hate each other so maybe we take uh, do we take Louis and his locks off? <laughs> I would. I wish he could. I wish the lock hobby could be at fault. But yeah, I think. I think we take it off. <laughs> I mean, he was a nice guy, just really bad at his job. Yeah, and you know, I want to take lack of education off. It just feels so. I the or the better phrasing being like people's refusal to make education available t- yeah. to people of other classes. I think along that those lines, we can take off Maria Teresa because she was just doing her best to stay in power and she couldn't have known what was going to happen. Yeah. You know, Kris Jenner does a lot with her daughters, <laughs> but it, it's in the world she lives in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so we have... The Ameri- American Revolution, the social bubble, misogyny, the porno pamphlets, extremist revolutionaries, and bloody greed. I actually think that we can take the extremist revolutionaries off because I-, I feel like we fold them into the bloody greed. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. bloody and- greed can be about the revolutionaries and also about the royals, too. Right. So wh- I also think we can take the American Revolution off the list. Agree. Yeah. Okay, here's what I'm thinking. We send bloody greed to jail and we give misogyny the slap or we send bloody greed to jail and we give the porno pamphlets the slap. I just have a one small issue with framing the revolutionaries as greedy. It does, that's something about that. Stri- I, 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 when we're talking about bloody greed, I think, can we, be, can we be specific? Are we talking about the monarchy wanting to hold on to their positions, their class, the society that they have that benefits them, even in the face of starving throngs of people. I mean, yeah, yeah in, in that way, it's like, can we narrow and maybe wrap up bloody greed into the social bubble of the French court? Right. The, the, the social 
greedy bubble and of the French court. Is it too late to add Jeff Bezos to the board? <laughs> no. Yes. no, it's not. Yes, I, it is. Always, Amanda, let us like do our thing. That really sums it. Really sums it up. Here's someone where if they wanted, they could give away a, a hundred thousand dollars. That's low. A hundred thousand dollars a day to helping the people, and they would never feel it, and still don't. And that sort of feels like with the monarchy, you know, you could have they could have helped and really chose not to. Now, did they deserve um, the specific terror that came to him, them, you know, and their son? No, but the monarchy did deserve to fall. Are you saying, Chelsea, that Jeff Bezos is the Marie Antoinette of our time? Yes, I am. (laughs) He is my personal Marie Antoinette without obviously all the hair. He is the opposite. Get him in some of those pamphlets. Get him in some of those libels, right? Get him in some of those porno Yeah. uh, In all fairness, they could have like opened up the royal pantry and like the people of uh, of Paris were starving. Why didn't they open up the royal pantry and just like be like, okay guys, let's let's get you guys some food here. Shoot some flour out of your hair. You know, in which case I do blame the social bubble. Because yeah. pe- people who allow you to live in your own world and won't call out awareness, empathy, kindness uh, as a group, that's a dangerous thing. And, and mm-hmm. for everyone who was shitty in high school, I say we blame it on the social bubble. <laughs> do we give misogyny the slap or do we do we give porno pamphlets the slap? I think because my preference would be wrapping up misogyny into the porno pamphlets the libels because I think that's a better visual slapping the porno pa- pamphlets. It's more specific. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'm calling it <laughs> porno pamphlets. You're getting the big slap social bubble of the French court. You're going to the alarmist jail. Um, Chelsea, thank you so much for joining us today and helping us get to the bottom of, of the beheading of Marie Antoinette. I'm 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 so happy to bring absolutely nothing substantial to this argument and have played such a big role in it. That feels nice. <laughs> After the beheading of Marie Antoinette, her body was thrown into an unmarked grave, and in 1815, her remains along with those of Louis the 16th were transferred with due ceremony to the Abbey of St. Denis and placed in the crypt. According to HistoryChannel.com, the story of revolution and resistance in 18th century France is a complicated one, and no two historians tell the story the same way. However, it is clear that for the revolutionaries, Marie Antoinette's significance was mainly powerfully symbolic. Sadly, what Marie Antoinette was actually like was besides the point. The image of the queen was far more influential than the woman herself. Tune in next week. We'll be deciding who's to blame for the Anita Hill hearings. Follow us on Instagram at The Alarmist Podcast and on Twitter at Alarmist V to submit your ideas on who should go up on the board. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.